When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A Dadsnet original podcast. I'm Al, that's JK, and this is Dadsnet's JK and Al podcast. Now this week, we're speaking to comedian who did a whopping 10 years on Mock the Week. Now that is impressive. You've probably seen him on Live at the Apollo, QI, Netflix, and many, many more places. And he was one of the main writers for Spitting Image one of the best mm. comedy shows that's ever graced our TV used, screen. Used to scare the living daylights out of me. I know, but it's so fantastically done. He is Andy Parsons, and it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with him, except the conversation no, did take a No, don't say what it, no. No, I won't go into yes. it. But the yeah, conversation okay. did take a bit of a weird turn straight off so, the bat. It, it did, but... To, to be fair to me you know no actually not even to be fair it just it just did look I didn't realise it was going to go down that route at the start of the interview as you will hear in a moment but I, I think it's fair to say that um, I think he was on board with my, my ideas and my decisions and I think that I am now going to have to put a call in to the vet to get him some as well uh, I mean if that if that doesn't make you want to listen I'm giving up <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's chat to Andy Parsons, who was, without doubt, one of our favourite guests that we've ever spoken to. Uh, enjoy it. It's Andy Parsons. Yes. This is exciting. Um, and what, the reason why we're we're starting off like with the adrenaline flowing is because Andy's come on and you've said you've got you've had a crisis this morning. Andy, before we get any further into this interview, tell us what the crisis is. The crisis was that I didn't have any headphones, but you have both got headphones. <laughs> and we were worrying how good yours were in comparison to JK's. And that was what, that was a massive crisis. And I'm now jealous of both of your headphones. <laughs> Sh- shall I tell you a little story? Usually I have these little, um, they're here actually, I have these little posh in-ears here. But I think I've got an nice. ear infection from wearing uh, in-ears on the train too much. It's, I woke up this morning with the crustiest ears in the world. So I've had to go for the big, stupid-looking ones. But uh, uh, and would, Do you reckon it would be all right to use my Cocker Spaniels um, eardrops in my ear? That's the, that's the debate that I had this morning because it's the only thing I've got. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I would like you to try. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we'll be able to answer. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, come on next time and you suddenly developed a slightly raspy throat that uh, sounds more like a bark. And, and my ears have grown slightly longer, 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 and I'm looking more like the dog out of Lady in the Tramp. And, and gradually as you get on the tube, you start your, your tongue hangs out and you start sort of panting a little bit. And I find myself... And then when you to- start... Fiddling, fiddling, and I find myself start being drawn to windows that are open so I can put my head out and let and let my ears flap in the wind. <laughs> and all, all, everybody around you is moving away. Is they what strange behaviour that's going on as you rub your bum along the train floor. <laughs> probably well, does that weird, anyway, weird, actually. Well, weirdly enough, my dog does suffer from, from anal glands. So every now and again, you guys might have to squeeze my anal gland, just so you know. 
Well, why don't you take those pills as well and see how you get on with those? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, we never know how these interviews are going to start, oh, right? But within yeah. seconds, we're on to JK turning into a dog with bad anal glands, right? Yeah, within I mean, seconds. Perfect. Well, I think we, that's the high point. We, it's, there's nowhere to return from there. <laughs> I think this officially well, is Andy, the greatest start. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, welcome to um, JK and Al. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I want to just start off with the question that um, the your PR that we arranged this through alluded yes. to in their email saying that you're only doing two weeks at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival because you have parental responsibilities. Yes, well, that, that, that is true. I, I did 17 full years at the Edinburgh Festival and uh, I haven't done it for 17 years. Now, I have two kids, 11 and 5, and part of the reason, or a, a large part of the reason I've not been back for, for a large amount of years is that my wife was worried if I went away to Edinburgh for a month that she wouldn't be able to cope with the kids on her own. <laughs> and obviously I was worried if I took them up to the Edinburgh Festival, then I wouldn't be able to cope. <laughs> so we basically compromised this time around. They're, they're now both at school. So for this, this is the first year they've both been at school. And uh, so I'm allowed to go up for two weeks. My wife's going over to Spain for two weeks taking the kids she's a bit nervous about that but i've been allowed the last two weeks so looking forward to that and we'll see how that works out Amazing. i've been here before compromises though. everything but the, but this is a thing though isn't it like it's almost it's not as if you're going where, where away exactly from... have you been before this is what i want to know <laughs> well i remember i you know we we just had noah so our first child just been born and i remember work saying to me um disney have come on board you need to go and do a live broadcast from florida disney florida for a week and you know you're in that dilemma where you go oh shit i mean we've we've just had our first child I mean, what do we do here? Work sort of going, you got to go, you got to go. And the compromise was that we paid for Charlie's mum not to be at work, but to be back at home whilst I went to Florida and did work. Those are the sort of compromises. So you you went to Disney and you just had a kid, but you wouldn't take the kid with you. The the kid was days old. They're not going to, they're not going to appreciate Mickey, Pluto and everyone else. They don't remember anything for the first four years, but you still got to do things with them. (laughs) Oh, that's where I went wrong then. <laughs> JK, can I... You can't just put them in a box and go, well, they won't remember this, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> can I Can I ask JK, how have you have you lived this down? Uh, I th- well, uh, well, that was the first time that I went to Disney, and then I went two other times with work. So, um, no, oh my goodness. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> like, I can imagine it. Like, Andy, you're, you're forever now. You're going to have, you know, this... Um, this thrown at you. Do you remember that time, Andy, three years ago when I had to look after the kids, I had to take them to Spain and you swanned off to the Edinburgh Festival living in... Well, that's right. But, but the thing is that my wife is a paddleboarder. Oh, wow. So she is doing the, the Trent 100, which is the sort of the marathon for paddleboarders. So she's doing that in about three weeks' time. So she's going off sort of, uh, you know, six hours paddling, sort of practising for that. Every, every three days. So uh, there's, there's absolutely no, I've, I've clocked up enough two weeks of Edinburgh without any problems at all. Wow. That's the, yeah, you've banked it. That's the way to do it. Well, yeah. no, we're joking about this, but in all seriousness, like this is the crux of parenting, isn't it? Like, and, and keeping your relationship with your partner 
as good as possible. It, it, well, it is a compromise. That, that, is, that is part of it, isn't it? Because it, obviously if you're going to be any good as a partner, you often have to put yourself second. And if you're going to be any good as a parent, you've often got to put yourself second. So if you've got two kids and a partner, you often find yourself in fourth mm. place. And if you've got a dog. Well, that's why I think a lot of people do get a dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then the trouble is with when the dog gets ill and then you're living your fifth best life. <laughs> and you've then got to give them stuff for their anal glands and put stuff in their ears. I love that. I love, I love the thought of people getting dogs so that you just feel a little bit higher up the pecking order. There, there's, so, there's somebody worse off than I've you. I've got two yeah, dogs. Go That's to your basket. <laughs> go on. Or maybe I'll go in the basket and you make breakfast. Come on. One way or the other. Dogs are a good talking point, though. Me and Al went for lunch on Sunday. We went to Oaxaca in London. And what were we discussing at, sat down next to each other whilst our tacos were arriving? I'm going to level with it, JK. Like, you bring up anal glands a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, that conversation and this conversation I've, i haven't brought it up <laughs> but at least andy now knows do that cocker spaniels dog? and sausage dogs are prone to anal glands <laughs> and do you, do you have a dog out i've got two two yeah so you're not going to share with us about your dog then uh, does that does that mean you're feeling particularly bad about your pecking order? You had to get two dogs just in case one of them was slightly above you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. It's basically so that there's always someone underneath me. There's yeah. always like, even if, even if one of the dog is like promoted on an occasion, good behavior, whatever, there's always one that is in the dog house. So have you ever been tempted to take any of your dog's pills? <laughs> no. <laughs> Only the worming pill. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't think I'd take anything orally, but like, like I said, the dog's ear things, it's just, it's only a spray. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I, I'm not going to eat something, but I don't mind spraying shit. You know what I mean? Well, if you don't like any conversations as you're, as you're doing your interviews, you can just pretend that the, you know, the, the crustiness has taken over and you're sorry you didn't hear the question. Honestly, it's look. unbelievable. <laughs> um, oh, lovely. That's what I wanted to see. So, right, and we have to we have to bring this back to some sort of sense. Why? Why do yeah, we have you're to? Right. Well, we don't really, do we? Let's let's throw a stick and then fetch it and bring it back. Come on, we'll be absolutely fine. Okay, I'm going to quickly go with one. So we've been checking out like reviews of your shows, and there are some brilliant ones. All the big papers and the publications say amazing, hilarious. You know, one of the best shows ever. Stand up genius. All this sort of stuff. But have you seen my, the thing my that- PR lady's been doing good work? <laughs> <laughs> but did you see what Rob Beckett said about you? I did. I did see that. Yeah. No. On on uh, on a rival parenting podcast, I do believe. Yeah. I think I may have said podcast there. I don't think that was quite what I was trying to say. But <laughs> That's uh, something different, right? But yes, he did. He did say that. He was saying that how he was. Uh, he was surprised by yeah. um, by my my physicality. So he said you were surprisingly ripped. Yes, that's that's what he said. I mean, you don't quite know how easily he is surprised or quite how ripped he thought I was. <laughs> it's all relative, hey? <laughs> it, it's, it's certainly relative. Uh, I think Rob would be the first to admit that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but so, do you do you keep yourself in good shape? Do you work and out. So how? <laughs> But there's got to be some oh, truth yeah. to this somewhere, right? I'm, I'm going to turn into Pitbull. Not only have I got the, uh, I've got the hair, now, I've got, I've got the, got the lyrics to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Get some Ray Bans on. You're there. Yeah. I just need the headphones. That's all I need, guys. That's it. 
That is it. So, um, but so you are surprisingly. Ri- what what do you? I, I know it sounds like I'm hitting on you, but do you work out? Uh, you know, how have you got the physique? Well, the the phrase surprisingly ripped. There's a lot of nuance possibly within that, doesn't there? Right. So it doesn't say how ripped I am. Right. So I was surprisingly ripped. It just made me the way I'm ripped is very surprising. I see. (laughs) So, I mean, Nadal, for instance, has got one very large forearm. So it might be that I've just got one really developed nipple that when I once took my shirt off in front of Rob Beckett, that he was surprised by that ripping. Did did you take your shirt off in front of Rob Beckett? Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, we've all, you know, there's times when you sort of, you know, you've, you've, you're sharing as you're sort of trying on maybe they've got you a couple of different shirts from up the week or something like that. And you're just, uh, you know, you happen to be there in the dressing room. And, you know, I mean, there's a, there's obviously various opportunities for, you know, to Rob to get a bit of an eyeful if he wants to. You know. <laughs> I must, I I must if- say, it feels like it feels like the BBC's budgets from up the week might be might be stretched somewhat if they're making <laughs> everyone change in one room. <laughs> we, I, I believe the, um, the, 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 there were people who did have to share dressing rooms, but uh, thankfully I wasn't one of them. But they, they, the wardrobe does only have one large space or tends to be for those sort of productions. So, you, you know, if you, you happen to have timed it wrong with your, your fellow performer, you, you could be having a quick change. <laughs> it, it is true, right? I remember we did it, me and my mate Joel, when I used to work with mate Joel, we did something for the BBC and we, I can't remember what it was. It might have been, was it Children Need? Something like that. And we didn't have a dressing room. So we were just wandering this this hallway <laughs> with, with nowhere to go, basically. Like, you know, like, those, those telethons, because there's, there's so many people, they just don't have enough dressing rooms in no. the building. So, you know, you, you'll find, you, you turn up to your dressing room and there's about six other people on, listed on the dressing room. And the hope is that you're all timing it slightly differently, but you only need, you know, something to run over or what have you, or the yeah. marshy to do another bit. And you suddenly find yourself with the weirdest people, you know, often with like, you know, puppets or pets or, you know, small children that you weren't expecting to be in the same change room as you. Do you know what? Someone took pity on us because they saw us wandering up and down this hall with nothing to do. That person, God bless his soul, who is one of the most loveliest guys in the world, was Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan took us into his dressing room and we drank brandy together. That's how, That's what happened that night. So that that is the best non-dressing room you've ever had. <laughs> Terry Wogan's private whiskey. Yeah, with the finest alcohol. I mean, it was fantastic. Drinking out of crystal. <laughs> and, a f- and a few stories to boot, I should imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to do a Radio 2 show, and he, he was um, they used to have a Radio 2 dinner, and uh, Terry Wogan used to host, they used to get all of the sort of, you know, the, the, the regular daily hosts to, to take on a table. And he was a very sociable host, old Terry. So he was the last one out of the building. There was, uh, he was always a late taxi for Terry. <laughs> oh, wow. Absolute legend. Absolute legend. You must, have, you must have come across a lot of, um, you know, people of that calibre within, uh, within the kind of showbiz industry. Who, who stands out as someone where you've kind of come away and you thought, wow, I really enjoyed spending whatever that amount of time was with, with that person? Uh, well, the, uh, in terms of their sociability, I remember doing, um, there was a, I was doing a Vic Reeves' radio show and uh, Paul Whitehouse was on 
and um, Madness, Sugs from Madness was on. And they, obviously, they all knew each other from way back in the day, from when Vic Reeves was doing his show in Peckham and Deptford and places like that. And uh, there was more red wine drunk that night than I have ever seen three people. And the thing was, we were doing two shows. So we had the early show, then there was a massive amount of wine, and then the second Fantastic. show. So if you ever go back and listen to those particular records, listen to the first one and then see if you can spot the difference <laughs> with the second one. Yeah, the continuity wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have matched up. <laughs> and the thing it being radio, and obviously the, the budgets weren't huge. Uh, you know, normally producers would be going, take that away from them. They can't do that. Take that away. And because it was just radio, and they thought, oh, well, we don't really care. It's nice, yeah. it's nice to have them enjoying themselves. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Um, now, obviously, we're talk- parenting. You know, obviously, this is a, a parenting podcast, and we all, you know, we always have stories about our kids and stuff. Mine, mine went on a trip yesterday. Went to Whitstable, and um, I said to it, I said to him, you know, Noah, what was your favourite part of the trip? You know, because Whitstable is lovely. It's real nice. You know, it's not very often they go out of school and they can go on these trips. And he came back to me and said, um, he said, I had a wee on the train. I was like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah, I had a wee on the train. Well, that was the best bit about you going on a school trip. Following in his father's footsteps, one (laughs) one drags his ass on the train and the other has a wee. (laughs) But then I went, Noah, 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 seriously, that can't be the best thing about your school trip to Whitstable. What was your favourite bit? He went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we didn't eat everything at lunchtime, we were allowed to eat the rest of the pat lunch on the train. (laughs) That was his second favourite bit of the school trip. I'm like, oh, my God. Whitstable has never had such a good review. (laughs) Surprisingly ripped. (laughs) (laughs) The best thing about Whitstable, eating on the train home. (laughs) The train home. I once read a review, right? I was I was going to work in Hull for five years. I'd signed a deal to work in Hull for a radio station there. And I remember like looking it up and asking people what it was like. And one of the best reviews I read was that the best thing to come out of Hull is the M62. And I think that's what that's what kind of Whitstable reminded me of. By the way, I had the best five years ever in Hull. I will have no one say a bad word against it anymore. I was going to say, I'm, I'm off on tour and I do Hull every time and it's yes. always a brilliant gig. It's amazing. So I, I, I love Hull. But the, there, is, there is also, there is some sort of correlation. I've yet to work out exactly. But the, the, more, the more maybe run down or the more sort of oppressed a city is, often they're the best comedy audiences because they're absolutely delighted <laughs> yeah. to get out and have some entertainment. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Hull is a brilliant place to live just because the comedy audience there are fabulous. But the theatre is wonderful and the people seem really great. Yeah, oh, they just need a really honestly, good laugh. <laughs> they're amazing. They really, really are. And they really, it's quite difficult to, when when you go to Hull, it's quite difficult for them to like, hey, on, you're on, yeah, hey you ain't from round here, are you? But once you're in there and you're in the circle, they're, they're fantastic. I, I mean, we had the best five years ever it was just wicked and i'll always remember uh, no, it's jk and jewel uh, that's whenever you heard that it was like oh it's such a great place and the thing is about the m62 that's a pretty crap road so <laughs> you know saying that's the best thing that comes out of hull you know the number of times i've been stuck on the m62 <laughs> so I, i'd much rather have been in hull <laughs> also remember Fantastic. like i think the best who are famous people from hull i think maureen Lippman's one and I think who's the other one? Right. Who's, who's old two old John two jabs? Prescott. John Prescott. That's the other one. Yeah. And was Paul Heaton yeah. from around that way, or was he? Did he? I can't remember. I played. 
I played cricket with him. I'm sure he's round there. I'm sure he lived round there. He's definitely, he's definitely in that direction, but I thought he might be a bit further up than that. Was he Sheffield? Uh, well, I, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I thought the uh, I, I thought he was more northeast, um, but not hard. I, th- I okay. feel like I feel like the better conversation than where this guy is from is anal glands. So- Hang on a second, I just, just, I've got an itchy bum. Just wait there a minute. That's it. I'm we could easily Google it, but it's more fun guessing. I've got an open yeah. Google tab here ready for anything to go, and yet I'm still not using it. <laughs> All the time. I don't know whether it's our generation, but like maybe maybe the younger kids do just Google it rather than ask a question, but all the time. Well, their first album, wasn't it, The House Martins, was Hold for London Nil, yes. which would suggest that he was somewhere in that direction. <laughs> right, I'm going in. I'm going in. You carry on. I'm going in. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't hole three, Sheffield one, London nil, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Paul Heaton from? Here we go. Uh, Birkenhead. He was born in, in so Bromborough, he- Cheshire, now Merseyside, on the 9th of May, 1962, to Doris and Horace. He must maybe went went to college in uh, in Hull, go, and therefore they claim Google Hull. that, Jacob. Well, Where did he go to college? Oh no, hang on. Yeah. Where did Paul why, he, okay. why was their album called Four Nil Hull? During his time in maybe Hull, just Hull supporters. <laughs> yes, hang on. Where did during his time in Hull, Paul and his bandmate Stan lived in De Grey Street and regularly visited the Grafton, and that's the Grafton Arms, which is another. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that's what it's from. Yeah. Bir- Birkenhead's feeling hard done by now. They they wanted part of that. Title. <laughs> <laughs> he filmed uh he filmed one of his last videos to his new song inside a pub in hull there you go there right andy we've um hull, we've covered hull yes. <laughs> we've covered hull. andy a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are dads some yes. mums as well what would be your one bit of advice for a dad listening to this podcast uh, well, the advice we were given, because it, we, we sort of, we, six years is the gap between our two kids. And, um, we, cause we found the first one very, very tricky. And so the only reason we had the second one was that, uh, pretty much everybody we met said, Oh, the second one so much easier than the first. And the thing is, arguably it is, the trouble is you've still got the first one. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm willing to believe that a third one might be even easier than the second one, but it won't be as easy as not having a third one. So that is what we've decided to do. So my advice to any dads would be that if you do uh, think about having another kid, it won't be easier, right, than the kid you've already got. It'll be harder. It may not be quite as hard again, but it will definitely be harder. So don't think having the second kid will make it easier. It won't. It will make it harder. Like, like, <laughs> you've, you, you've logically unpacked a bit of advice that is world-renowned and everyone just listens to it and you've just completely blown it apart. I like it. It's, it's, so how many, how many have you got, Al? I have. I've got two of my own and a stepson as well. Right, and two dogs. And two dogs and a tortoise and a cat that I really don't like and is definitely on its way out. Like, I'm now thinking that both the dogs are ahead of you in the pecking order. That's what I'm thinking now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got uh, below me is the dying cat and the tortoise that like no, doesn't do anything. 
do you want to, do you want to swap lives just for a moment? <laughs> I'm, I'm just really sad for the cat. I don't know anything about your cat, but I'm really sad for it. <laughs> it's had really yeah. good 15 years. 15 cats go on for longer than that. Yeah. Tell me about it. I, mean, he's, I don't he's want to jealous put, of the tortoise. <laughs> I don't want to put you off, but my one of my mates' cats is twenty-two currently and still alive. Oh, just, oh, just so man. you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. stop it, stop it. Be right. Um, be which right. one's walking faster, the tortoise or the cat? <laughs> That's what we all know. <laughs> the, cat, the cat doesn't move very much at all. Oh, okay. Are you sure that it's still alive? That's what we want to know. Yeah, as well. uh, it's still alive because it walks all. It would just. It, it just wants food all the time. I reckon I. If, if I allowed to feed it as much as it wants feeding, we would do about 15 pounds a day on cat food. You might want to is check it for- very, very large? No. Skinny. You might want to, you might want to check for worms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. Just a thought. Anyway. Right. Anyway, so a solid piece of advice, Andy. Solid piece of advice. So having the first was tricky Having the second was less tricky, but ultimately harder as a package. What's been the yes. biggest challenge you faced? Um, the biggest challenge of kids really just, you know, the amount of time that it takes up. So, you know, in, in terms of you think that with one kid, you're sort of two against one. In some ways, I know that's not quite the way you should see the beautiful thing that is parenting, as in some yeah. sort of battle with Game your kids. On. But there's always that moment where you get one-on-one is easy. You deal with it. I'm, I'm out of this. I just need a bit of a break. And you can do that. As soon as you've got two, the, you, the, the, the numbers are going. And you go to three kids and three pets or four pets. Do you know, you imagine as a single parent trying to deal with three kids, three pets, it, you know, if you let's say your wife's selfish enough to do a hundred k paddle board on a regular basis, you know, often away for the weekend, or how how are you supposed to cope like that? So it is just the, the physical amount of time that you've got to be there, and then trying to get the enthusiasm levels when you're feeling on it. Yeah, you think, oh yeah, we can do this. We can go to Disney. I can work in Disney. I'll be able to fly out there. I'll fly them all out. We'll have all the pets. And then it comes to the reality. You think, no, no, can you look after them? I've got to go. I've got to go to work and I've got to get up at five o'clock. And, you know, I'm sharing a dressing room with Terry Wogan. He's going to make me drink another bottle of whiskey. And, you know, there's no way we can get the kids involved with that. (laughs) Okay. I've got one question as well. What has been the funniest parenting moment for you? That bit where, maybe it was well, well whatever it was with you know the one where you just it's that story that you tell again and again and again so the we've got a video that uh, the kids both love and we play and it was basically um when my daughter was starting to walk and she was trying to walk towards my son and we had these sort of uh, stair gates and we've got it on the video and she's walking towards him and he's got his arms out for a cuddle and there's a moment where she sort of gets to him. She's very pleased. They have a tiny cuddle. They both look at the camera, right? 
but my son takes his eye off, off my daughter, sort of celebrates in front of the camera for the cuddle. She ducks under his arm because she can no longer support herself, goes through the stair gate, which sounds like, like it should be terrible, right? But it was actually not, you know, there's no staircase there. It was just to prevent her going from another part of the house. And she falls through the stair gate, right? <laughs> and then the two of them collapse laughing. And it's one of those videos that we can, as a family, every Christmas we get it out because it's one of those that all four of us find incredibly funny. Fantastic. Is that a kid version so of lovely. Only Fools and Horses, Del Ford? No, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's exact. It's exactly that. Yeah, except that the stair gate was open all the time, so it's just pure childhood incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the second biggest challenge that, as parents, we face, right? Childhood incompetence. Well, there, there, there is a lot of that, but I suppose that's our job to try and have, make them slightly less incompetent. Yes, right? yeah, true. My mum, my mum and dad has a terrible job. I'm just pointing out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, how much of, um, how much influence do your kids and uh, life with your kids have on your material? Like, are, are you often kind of using them as inspiration and stories and whatever else? I try and I don't, I don't, I tend to talk about what's going on in the world. So I don't tend to talk about my kids, but it's, it's got to the stage now where the 11 year old is actually asking me lots of questions. Uh, for instance, you know, how come we've had three prime ministers in the, the space of a year? How come <laughs> Boris Johnson... How did you answer that? <laughs> uh, well, uh, I basically said that it turned out that uh, uh, w- w- one of them uh, basically said that uh, there was definitely no parties in Downing Street. <laughs> and then a few days after that, said he was horrified to find out that there had been parties in Downing Street. And then a few days after that, wasn't he? He was gobsmacked to find out that he'd been at six of them himself, <laughs> including one for his own birthday. Then we had somebody who had the shelf life of a kamikaze mayfly, as in Liz Truss, who lasted about six weeks. And now we've got Rishi Sunak, a man who conservative members didn't think was quite as good as Liz Truss. <laughs> so that is effectively how I explained it to him. But all those sort of questions about how kids see the world is is actually very interesting because they often ask the questions that we should be asking, but we've we've sort of got too you know we're too used to the stupid things in the world, as it were, and they often you know they go, well, why on earth? How can we have five prime ministers from the same party over the course of thirteen years? If they all of them keep resigning and making mistakes, why do people keep voting for them? And that is sort of the nub of the new show in some ways is is sort of having to deal with kids and then seeing how the kids react with the world. And obviously, my dad's a, a baby boomer. We talked very momentarily about the crisis that I was dealing with when uh, thankfully we haven't had to go into it. But my, my dad's not doing very well at the moment, but he's a baby boomer. And there's obviously a feeling that from the young people at the moment that the baby boomers have mucked up this country, that they've had it all in terms of climate change and jobs. And they've also had it when it came to Europe and pensions and all the rest of it and obviously you look at my dad and he's sort of struggling with the the NHS with his own health with you know various um, bits and pieces financially uh, and then seeing it almost from both sides seeing it from the older generation and from the younger generation and how you marry those two as a country and uh, you know it sort of really feeds into what I do so in there is just little hints of family coming through as uh, as we talk about the mad last 12 months that this country's been in 
I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your, your dad, and I, I wish him all the best as well. Just I felt it appropriate to say. Thank you very much. Well, the thing is, what I'm thinking is, I'm hoping JK will give me some dog pills. <laughs> yeah, and uh, sort maybe, him right out. maybe that would that would sort him right out. <laughs> um, Hang on a second. But, I'm, quite, well, I'm quite friendly with my vet, Charles. Let me just get another dose now. <laughs> what I think is, what I think is really. Um, uh, obviously, obviously going to be fantastic is the way you did describe what's happened to those prime ministers to an 11 year old is beautifully simple, but also beautifully accurate. And sometimes, I mean, I guess what you're saying is that we should just think through the eyes of a child. We should be asking those questions, but also the, the answers to those questions should also just be quite plain and simple without all the bollocks that just goes on around it it's certainly it's nice when when things can be simple and and trying to simplify things as much as possible but there is there is a disadvantage in that because we love we love black and white solutions and we love easy solutions because those and that's the trouble with a lot of ideologies is they offer simple solutions to things that aren't simple so you know you you can always say oh the, the nhs needs more money or it needs more staff but there's there's always there's layers within that and all of them may be true, but uh, you, you can't. There's no one size fits all, and that that's why it's important to have a democratic debate. And obviously, why you know, we in some ways we should be grateful that uh, you know the truth is still important. And if you if you don't tell the truth often enough for long enough, sooner or later it will catch up with you. I do like the fact that kids are so honest. I mean, I think that's how we should. It's it's weird, isn't it? As kids, we're really honest and we'll say what we think. And as we get to, you know, when we get older, we we say what we think. It's that in between stage where we just pussyfoot around a bit. Like like Noah was watching Glastonbury. Well, uh, he, he he was watching Glastonbury at the weekend, and he was watching Elton John on TV, and he said he said, "Daddy." That's Elton John, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Elton John's quite old, isn't he? I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's really old. And he said, he said, but you're not as old as Elton John, are you? And I, I'm 48. I think he's in his like mid seventies. And he was like, ah, oh. he said, so why has Elton John got more hair than you? <laughs> and I was like, ah, interesting one that. So I said, no, I don't think that's Elton John's real hair. I think that's a wig. And he was like, oh, okay. He said, so why don't you wear a wig? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Come Can on, we just watch that's 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 yeah. <laughs> Elton John has got an awful lot of hair. Most of it's in a box, and he chooses which one he fancies to wear on any given day. <laughs> oh, it's so true. I think we should um, be more kid. I, I do. Well, the thing is, I mean, me, my daughter today, she she basically she she sort of spilt loads of cereal. She decided to do her own cereal today, and uh, she spilt loads of it on the floor, right? And she hadn't cleared it up. So I come down and she sort of, you know, they do that sort of shuffling around, don't they, as if they need a wee, and then they start grinning at you inanely, and you know there's something up, and you go, has something gone wrong? And she said, no. And then you can just tell by the way they go, no, something's up. And so... So what what is up? How did you know? Well, I just I just looked at your face and the way you were shuffling, and I knew something was going on. Oh, I spilt the cereal. I was going to clear it up. <laughs> Everyone listening will now be thinking about whatever it was that happened this morning or whenever you're listening, because that and we're all there. That is that inane look, isn't it? <laughs> how did you know? <laughs> how did we not know? <laughs> Oh, dear. so true. Um, Andy, Andy, we, we're gonna we're gonna have to wrap it up. Um, unfortunately, because I'm thoroughly enjoying chatting to you. 
We'll have to get you back at some point. But um, before we go, can you just share how, like, your tour dates and where people will be able to get tickets or, or whatever? Yeah, lovely. On? So as, as we've discussed, I'm up to the Edinburgh Festival, first time in 17 years. So I'm playing a place called the Pleasance Cabaret Bar. So um, there's, a lot of the venues are just uh, in Edinburgh, sort of black boxes with sort of drapes around. But this is this is actually a genuine sort of cafe sort of uh, bar area that's um in, in use all year round and it's it's a lovely space the cabaret bar at the pleasance so looking forward to doing that for the last two weeks of august and then i'm on tour around the country including hull yes! which not, Bir- not birkenhead not birkenhead oh. hopefully the m60 tour will be good for me but yeah so check the tour dates it's all on andyparsons.co.uk and uh, we will be going out um you know basically doing less shows back to back as it were so I will be going out next year um, for a couple of days coming home looking after the kids and then going out again for another couple of days so there will be dates for next year so if there's none near you um, on the website at the moment then uh, keep checking back because we the, the 2024 dates will be coming up soon and if Paul Heaton is Andy. listening uh, you're on the guest list just so you know uh, Andy has said you're on the guest list <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I look forward to that. That would be great. There, uh, there, there's lots of questions I'd like to ask Paul Heaton. As do, you know, and, and the good people of Birkenhead have got a few questions for him as well. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're coming for you, Paul. <laughs> uh, Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, hopefully at some point we, we can welcome Cheers. you back. Good, good luck. Good luck, JK, with, with the ears and uh, with, with the bottom. And uh, good luck with your doing cat owl. I hope it all goes well. It's <laughs> a lot to Thank unwrap you. there. It's a lot to unwrap. <laughs> if you've just joined us now, you best rewind. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. A Dad's Net original podcast.